Hello and welcome uh, to the How Might We podcast. I'm Scott Hunter from the Innovate Crowd. And today my guest is Colin Smith. And the How Might We question we're going to talk about is how might we all listen more? So Colin, would you just like to introduce yourself, please? Hi, Scott. Thanks so much for having me on your show. You're welcome. So for me, my, my question first off, for anyone when they say, so who are you and what do you do, is when was the last time you felt really heard? And the look tells me everything. There's often this sort of deep moment when they go, it was quite recent, yes, or it was a long time ago. And then they start to share. And I ask them how they feel about that. And they say, actually, it was a really lovely space to be in. As I'm saying it, I'm almost feeling my shoulders dropping. And so I've realized that listening is, from a business perspective, a strategic tool for them to use or skill to, to build. But more importantly, it goes into our relationships. Whatever our relationships are, be they at home with our children and a family, at work with our colleagues, out with our friends, relationships are really important and listening is a key factor in that. So my business and whole, my whole passion is about listening and listening better. Okay, so I think one of the people we were talking before we came on, on air is if I were to ask you in one or two sentences to describe the difference between hearing and listening. Sure, and it's a great question. So hearing is something that, that happens. We don't have to do anything about it. So you and I in a busy restaurant, we're talking and somebody calls your name, you'll hear it. I probably won't. And it's about keeping us safe. So we don't have to do anything, we can just hear. Listening on the other hand, we have to intend to listen. And by that, it's actually, how, do I, how am I gonna show up? How am I gonna settle? How am I gonna be quiet? How am I going to be the listener that gives attention, offers curiosity, and things like that? So it's an intention. So I hear from, I listen to. And that's how I would make the difference. So, oh, you've obviously discussed this a lot because that's a very succinct yes. last bit at the end. So <laughs> yeah. When somebody can explain, like, in just like this is, this is the difference to me in these like, four or five words, this person has been looking and exploring this issue for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Put it. yeah, hearing is passive, listening is active. Okay. There's another way. And then that goes on to, obviously, in a lot of training that I've done in the past, and we talk about communication skills, which say you've got yeah. to be an active listener. And to me, yes, we do. But I think sometimes when we talk about active listening, it's still, we're talking about it at a surface level. So things like you, you should nod, you should keep eye contact, you should go, aha, uh -huh, have these verbal oilers built in. Yeah. It still feels kind of mechanical because it's like process yeah. driven in what we actually think active listening is. Very much so. Talk about, yes. And to yeah. me, it's more, as you say, an internal intent that I am genuinely interested in what this person is about to say. Yeah. How do I empty myself enough such that I can hear and see, or let's say listen, and see the person that's in front of me. For me, as it is at this particular moment, you 
Scott, are the most important person in my life. So I'm here for you, even though it's a podcast that I'm, I'm speaking into. Mm-hmm. At this moment and part of the conversation we had before this, you were the most important. And so how do we give that level of attention to another person? And for me, it starts with caring. So I'd take a view, and it's a, it's a very slightly grandiose and ego-ish view, which is I care about everyone. So if I've got that, situ- if I've got that view, which I care about everyone, I'm curious then about what their story might be. And if I can get that moment where they're prepared and willing to share their story, I can't help but love them. Okay. And that goes back to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago where we really did now or drill into or question, can you be curious if you don't care? Is Does curiosity come from caring if it's about an individual or is it, can you be curious without really caring? My initial thought, thoughts are that you can because your intention is to get. So I'm curious to about, let's say, for instance, your job, because underneath I'm keen to become a podcast person myself. So I'm curious. I don't really care about you because all I'm interested in is learning about what you do, how you do it. Do you make enough money, et cetera, et cetera. So it's selfish. But if I was really interested to hear about and curious about you being a podcaster, for me, I, and I care, you will feel the difference. So you will feel that my intention is actually, he really does care about me. He is genuinely interested about me. And therefore you respond in a different way. You with, I think the skills that you've had, because I'm aware of some of those skills, you will notice particular cues from the person who's listening to you that actually the reason they're listening is this. So their intention isn't good for me. You'll also notice what it is if it's the other way around. Women particularly are good at picking up on, te- on intention. You know, they know when the guy's coming on to them, even if the guy won't admit it, they, they feel it. They also, we know when, as you reference the sales guy, salespeople on the phone sound like, it feels like their intention is to get, not to give. And it feels like, on the other hand, when you, when you end up with someone who's genuinely trying to help, genuinely caring, you feel it and you want to reward them. You want to say thank you and that I really appreciate your time. I've had one recently where the person that was helping me was far beyond what I was expecting. And then I wrote back and I, I really singled it out what I felt by that way of looking after me. And they appreciated that. So we all win. And then probably they go home and they say, you never got what happened today. You know, I have all these calls that I take. And there's this one particular guy. He wrote back to me and said, thank you. And appreciated the way I handled the call for him. He feels great. His partner feels great. And I think that's, obviously I come from a, appreciative background so yes mm. i don't think we do appreciate each other enough yeah and actions we do and i think sometimes it's sort of the language you, you you were using at the beginning i think we've discussed this before 
is when you start talking about love within a business context, people look at it and go, what are you talking about? You're a nutter. Because it's businesses, I still think business is a masculine language in how we describe what business is. Yes. A lot of the language around businesses is masculine and sort of like, so you talk about strategy, you talk about this, you talk about money, you talk about finances. There's a very little feeling language that we use when we talk in business. Yes. I, I would, I, I totally agree. Why I would like to see more female, or let's say those with higher feminine energy or perceived feminine energy into senior positions in the workplace because I think it would make a difference. And why don't we, you know, Barry, sorry, Bob Chapman, who's the CEO of Barry Weimiller, American organization, and author of a book called Everybody Matters. He says that seven out of eight Americans believe they work for a company that doesn't care about them. My maths isn't good enough to work that percentage out, but I'm assuming it's quite it's quite high. Let's just say that. It's not going to be high. It's, it's an awkward number, isn't it? You wanted seven out of eight. So what that be? That would be well, like, so it's it's a, probably about 85, 86%, which is a lot. Yeah. What, yeah and I, what does that mean? You know, if you work for a company that doesn't care about them, maybe I won't care about them either. And I'm working for them simply because I have to because you know money is important and the job prospects are not great and uh, but I don't enjoy it and when I don't enjoy it I'm not very nice to my partner I think it goes down to the relationships that we have in work obviously the relationships we have in work do influence our relationships externally and vice versa yeah, I was agreed. talking to a guy called Guy Ellis who's from Gen Z Insights on a previous podcast yeah and he had a great way of talking about how Gen Z see work Mm-hmm. they don't see it as work-life balance okay. the general perception of gen mm-hmm. is we have life and work is part of it nice i quite like that as a concept yes i do um so they're not it's not being stuck to this is there's a massive demarcation between the two but going back to what say that seven out of eight i think an eighth is 12 and a half percent yeah so you took seven 12 and a half yeah that's a lot that's still yeah. as high isn't it He's yeah, twelve and a half off a hundred, but must be still not working. Eighty-seven point five. Eighty-seven point five. Yeah, seven point five. A lot, and that's a lot. High percentage, and then as you say, we end up with a transactional relationship between the organisation, yeah. its employees, or the management, and the and the people within the organisation. Agreed. And we need to move to a transformational sort of energised relationship and so do you do you feel that's where listening could be one of those key um tools that we could organizations and managers could use to help reconnect yeah and for me it's it's part of what i would term the relationship journey and a key part of that is listening because everything that we do everything that we do involves relationships of one sort or another and sure we can make them transactional but they feel like transactional they feel cold and head, head work. Whereas if it's about a relational relationship, wouldn't that be much better? So that we can have proper conversations, proper dialogue. We can have conflict in the way it was originally intended to actually move things along, but not feel that if we're in conflict, that means I could lose my job rather in conflict. Wow, this is great because I'm able to share what I'm thinking. You're able to share what you're thinking. So when you say, 
is the one I think we've talked about this before. When you see a six and I see a nine, why don't I try and understand what it's like from your side first? And you go, hey, that's really good. You've seen my side. Why don't I come and look at your side? And maybe we can come up with something that's not a compromise, because that's often a win-lose, but something that's a win-win that comes from it. Why don't we settle some of our differences by actually exploring what each other thinks? But it starts by having to care about them. And if I don't care about you, then what's the point? It doesn't matter. No, that goes really down to that video you shared the Heineken advert. Yeah. Which I think is a, cr a cracking example of exactly uh, that. where we label each other. Yeah. And then people will say, well, you're, you're a feminist and you're an anti-feminist and you're a this and you're a that. You're a Remainer, you're a, you're a Brexiter or you're a Tory and you're a Labour or for the Americans, yeah. a Democrat or Republican. Yep. You seem to be very polarised across massive parts of society generally. And I think I'm with you. I think if we can end up with dialogue, so obviously looking at appreciative inquiry, yep. what it is is about creating questions that encourage connection through conversations yeah and if you ask a good question a well-crafted question and then allow people that space where they can communicate yeah. effectively yeah and it also requires and that's why I'm a, I'm a great fan of Nancy Klein's work time to think but also to the the idea of dialogue as you as you rightly said but also sitting in circle and when you sit in circle you give everyone the chance to speak. And so you come with a problem. This is the problem we've got. I'm interested in what you think. And whoever wishes to start, starts with their initial thoughts. And then we'll go round, clockwise or anti-clockwise. So you don't have to think about your answer because when it's your turn, it's your turn. And it's like, all right. And you... It, or because of that, you know that it's going to be your turn. You know you're not going to be interrupted or somebody trying to cut across what you've said. Then you can relax. And so the quality of your thinking improves. And then when you've done a round, you might do another round. Or you might say, why don't you go off in pairs and actually do exactly the same, but each of you share for two minutes each what your, your current thinking is now as a result of the, what's gone on in the round and then share that and offer appreciation for each other. And then come back and offer your freshest thinking to the group. Why, how, why don't we do more of that? Instead of arriving in the office or the, the boardroom and saying, right, we've got a problem. I think this is what we should do. What do you think? And so I think the more that we lead from the top with listening, the more it will encourage others to listen. And Tom Peters, way back from the 70s with In Search of Excellence, he said that his, his thinking is that strategic listening would be the number one thing he would teach if he was teaching these days in, in organizations. And he says strategic listening, listening for everyone right across the organization because we all could listen better. We all have relationships. Okay. And I, I'd quite like, I like, like the certain things about what you just described about how the, the circle and the pairs and, and things, and you can actually see that, that setup encourages the listening activity. Yeah. So it's not something, again, it's, 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 it's the intent 
of that process is to create the intentional listening. Yes. Designed Correct. to do it. It's, it's not just, oh, we're going to listen. We're putting a process in place. So the circle indicates nobody's in charge. Yeah. Equality it encourages equality. It encourages valuing the difference. And having the rules that somebody's got a period of time to express their thoughts or opinions and yep. no interrupt gives them that space to do so. And then people are forced to listen to what other people are saying. Forced people, if, if the speaker is succinct, it encourages people to want to listen because they will learn from it rather than forced to listen. Yes. So I think when you force someone to listen, they're not going to listen. It's their choice. So they, that's a good yeah. point. I will retract the word forced. <laughs> yes. Well done for bringing it, it. Yeah. Encourages is a better word. It encourages people to yeah. listen to each other, but it encourages, as you say, better thought and then putting people into pairs. It creates a deeper connection because there's only two. And then if you say to people, you've got two minutes each, and then you're giving people an equality of opportunity and time. Yeah. To have that conversation. And then when they come back to the group, so that, that question has now been processed three or four times by the time the group come back and share that. So again, yeah. that gives people that space. This is okay to talk about. Beautiful. We've, we've had yeah. this question. I've processed this question three or four times now. So I've been asked it once. I've thought about it. I've had an opinion about it. I've listened to everyone else's opinion. I've then gone with some of the things to somebody else and had a listen to what they've said and said my own thing. And then we're going to come back and listen again. Yeah. So that, that question, and, it's a, and then I think you find you say that creates a great psychological safety in people to discuss that opinion. because it's, yeah. And normally in groups, so if you're in, in learning groups or as you say in the boardroom, you say to somebody, right, who's got an idea? What do you think? Nobody's had a chance to process this. And then you're all asking these people to come up with what they think is a good idea or what you're expecting them to in front of everybody. Yeah. And it's, there's little thought process in about how you can make that space safe. Yeah. And that, that space being safe is really, really important. And there was some research done by Google on their, the successful projects. And the one thing, that was the number one thing they came up with was certainly not what they expected, was psychological safety. Safe enough that I can show up, speak up and speak out. So if something's not right, I can say something. If I've got something to say, whatever it is, I can say it without the fear of being humiliated, bullied, exercised, or you know, taken out or whatever. And because it may not be right, I accept that. But in that listening circle we talked about, you're listening with an open, sort of like that, that sort of open mind that my mind could be changed by what I hear. Wow, that's okay too. How nice would that be? that we, we, we all come out being able to know that all the things that we've said have been heard, so I feel valued and that I matter. And we've come up with a solution that we're all part of. I know it's a little bit, what's that phrase, apple pie and motherhood or something. You know, it's, it, it feels too nice. But it's a lot better than even getting somewhere towards that is a lot better than what we, we typically do. Absolutely. I quite like the fact if we listen in with intent, yeah, as I we're open in our own mind, but we're also be willing to question our own assumptions, our own but our own thoughts, and it, and it gives us that ability then to say, 
actually what this person said makes much more sense than what I, I, I was yes. thinking. So I'm, ha- I'm happy with what they said. I'm happy with their rationale, their decisions. And I'm, it's about that social constructivism. We have a social interaction with somebody. And then from that interaction, we can construct a newer understanding of our environment. Yeah. Readjust, readjust accordingly. Yeah. Because you're, you know, if you go back 10 years, your thinking was very different to what it is now. I can't think far that far back. So yeah, I would imagine. So. <laughs> Even three weeks ago then, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it always, we're always evolving and changing, aren't we? With new experience yes. coming on. And I think if we encourage people to listen and we encourage people to listen, as you say, with intent, we're encouraging people to then be much more fluid with their thought process and yeah. what they might hold on to strongly. Yeah. And it's okay to change your mind because within that conversation or that, that, that dialogue, there's, it's generative and it's okay to start, as you said, with one, one set of thoughts and at the end of it, come up with another. Is it just a journey of thinking? What's wrong with that? I think sometimes we get, we get stuck on this, you know, this is my thought and therefore and it's right. And that's where we get into that confrontational. And going back to what you said about, um, yeah. Uh, relationships and you talk about conflict and I, I totally agree oh. I think conflict, conflict done well is healthy yeah so a conflict isn't a fight a conflict is where we've got different needs that aren't being met brilliant yep and a fight is a solution to a conflict but there yeah. are much more healthy solutions to a conflict agreed and it goes about I've, 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 I've no idea who wrote the book but I've read a book on conflict uh, conflict resolutions and stuff and I think one of the great phrases that I remember in there that I've used with people, it says, when we, th- when we don't deal with this area of conflict or this unmet need early enough, then that becomes the relationship. Yeah. And the relationship is so much more, that's just one small aspect. So let's explore the rest of the relationship. And then that becomes easier to talk about, easier nice. to discuss. And I, I really like that concept of if we don't deal with it, it becomes the relationship. Yeah. It just grows and grows and grows and just yeah. overtakes everybody. And I think, yeah. And I, and I do think, go back to that, high, I highly recommend people watch that video. Is once they started talking as people to each other, well, then their strongly held views become less important. Whereas I think if they'd have met each other at the beginning and expressed those views at the beginning, you would have got nowhere near that, that relationship. Correct. Absolutely. So when I hear your story and you hear mine, whatever that story might be, then because you seem like a really good bloke. I think there was one of them on there, wasn't it? She said, you know, you're the sort of person I'd like to continue the conversation with. And even at the end of it, he was willing to say that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked it when the one bloke walked off. (laughs) (laughs) And he went joking. You had me. (laughs) He had me in it as well. It was like, what? What? What's he doing? But yeah, yeah. came back. I thought that was quite cool. And yeah. It was interesting. So where we're coming from, we're both coming from a, a very similar place. If we give people yeah. space to have conversations, then we, we, we appreciate where each other's coming from and never unmatched the power of stories. Yeah. We definitely connect with stories. And if people then are willing and safe to tell their story, then you start to get to know somebody and you it, that builds that relationship. As you say, everything's about yeah. relationships. Yeah. We are relationship-led as a species. Yeah. And the point you made earlier and then it's relevant to just what to what you just said it becomes safer and safer to share 
my darker secrets or darker needs or not darker in in that way, but things that I don't share with people. And I don't share with people because it doesn't feel safe. And when it does feel safe, then I can share this with you and we can put, we can, we can see it for what it is. And therefore we're in a position where I can bring, bring life to it and air to it. And therefore we can transmute it and do, and let it go. And so for me, listening at another level is also really healing. Yeah, and again, I think that's something that would be quite useful in today's environment. I was watching a program the other day, one of the news programs, and I tend to switch them off now because it was about this thing, should should the Conservatives have voted against these school meals? And all you've got is one person saying one thing, the other person saying another. They're not actually listening to each other. They've got the view, and they're just two politicians banging on about the story they want to come across. It's not a conversation. It's... And it doesn't heal anything. It just, again, Correct. it's great because they're trying to win. Yes. And they both had valid, they both had valid points they raised, but they wouldn't listen to each other. And you just end up, this person said that, this person said this, and then, oh, I don't believe you said that. Give me a chance to speak. And it just goes backwards and forwards. The amount yeah. I've seen these debates where, and it's just, that's what it is. People yeah. re, re, reiterating their own view and their own position and the, telling the story because all most of them probably prepped but this is yep. this key point that you've got to put out yep, going back to what you've just said as well is there's, there's a book called trust on, mm-hmm. on trust and i love this question the questions people ask before they trust you okay and there's only two but they're, they're multiple layered is one do you care about me oh, beautiful. two can i depend on you yeah i love that that's what we will ask ourselves prior to really trusting people. I mean, I'll go on to trust because trust is, I love the subject of trust as well. And it's massively multidimensional. I might trust you with the secret, but I won't trust you with delivering a project on time. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, there are, there are, there are different aspects of trust. And I think I love that question because it's so multi-layered. So do you care about me? So how are you going to demonstrate you care about somebody? And then, and again, I think the second question goes down to about that selflessness and the intent you were talking about. What's yeah. the intent between what you're getting, what you're what you're saying, doing, or acting? Yeah, and we know, we know, and often you have those conversations with someone. Not quite the "How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine," because both of you know that you're thinking about something else. You're not interested and not listening. So we have this little charade that goes on, and it goes off on a lot in other areas as well. So you get meetings where that happens not quite those words, but, you know, there's whatever the content is. And they're not really listening to each other. So I'm just rehearsing what I'm going to be saying next. And, and the moment you draw breath, I'm going to jump in. And so having those, those moments, be it two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, where someone gets the floor, be it in pairs or in threes or whatever, for ten minutes you can talk about whatever you like. And if you want to talk about nothing... And remain silent that's fine but it's a chance for you to just be with me and i will give you my full attention and i'm here for you and that can be at home you know when you come back when you come home from work for 10 minutes you know i don't know what what your situation is but you, you know your partner's had her or his or whatever day you've had your day 
is an opportunity for you to share what's present for you at this moment and know that you're going to be heard. And then you switch over. And then you have an opportunity to show appreciation for the other. That you just, actually at this moment, I feel I appreciate you for whatever it is. And why would you not hug someone when that happens? That's a great way to start your day or start your evening. But again, decompressing, being listened to, you feel valued, but it's also allowed you to process what's happened to the day. So you're in a much more, probably in a more positive emotional state. Even if you've had a really exciting day, you've actually had somebody to share it with. And yes. If you've had a bad day, then you've had somebody to offload to, which is good. <laughs> yeah, because if somebody's excited, they want to talk anyway. If somebody, somebody's yes. really good, they're like, they just want to blurt out whatever it is they're excited about because they want to share. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, give, them the, give them the space and listen. Yes. Okay. What is it you want to tell me? I'm interested. I, I think that's because when I did the training again, I go back to what you said. And I think this, this, this has very little flow. Well, it's got a lot of flow, but it's very little structure to how we're talking. <laughs> like the other one just went everywhere. Yeah. Um, when I used to do things around active listening, I said, you can learn all this. I said, or you, can, I mean, or you can do something different, or you can do something else that will happen. And all this will happen automatically. Mm-hmm. what's that i said well just go in and say even if you've got so you've got a meeting you think you're going to speak to somebody and we all know these people who just never stop talking you know they just want to grab the floor or somebody we we think is boring you know, mm-hmm. if you say this person when they're speaking is going to say something one thing that's going to be really interesting to me and i want to find out what it is if you go right. into that meeting like with that mindset you will automatically start listening because I think that goes back to what you said intent. Tent. Yep. Tent. I want to find out what's interesting he's going to say. Yeah. But if you go into a meeting saying, oh, oh God, it's Scott again, he never shuts up. I'm not going to listen. Yeah. Yep. I'm totally yeah. in that sort of surface level. That's your intention. And you will feel it when you start to, the, the speaker will feel wet. You'll feel the energy in the room. Now, some, ignore it because they've been used to that you know their whole life has been having to just shout and talk without people listening how sad is that so how can we create a space for them to talk and what i notice is that when you give people that space particularly in one-to-ones is it might be 10 minutes it might be half an hour it might be longer suddenly the voice quietens down they slow down and it's like they've the, all the air that they've been holding in their metaphorical balloon has gone. And then you start to hear the real stories that are going on. And the fact you've listened to them for that time, they, they already like you. They trust you because they've been blurting it out. And they want you as a friend. Almost, that's not quite as quick as that, but it can be. Because no, so very few people actually listen to another. And that's sad. That reminds me of that journey, isn't it? The journey of trust, is it? No like trust. No like trust. Yeah. No K-N-O-W. It gets like. I need to know you first, I need first. to look and then I can trust you. Yeah. So listening with intent accelerates that process for people. Yes. And I think for the workplace, the other one to put into that is, are you competent? But it comes after 
those. Do I like you? Do I do I like you? Do I trust? Um, is it? Do I know you? Do I like you? Do I trust you? Are you competent? Because otherwise, if you're not competent, but it comes later, and that's the point when people connect with me on LinkedIn. So many of them don't send a, a message, and even when I then say yes, they don't send the message. They so those that do, it's interesting because I often say, I'd love to have a conversation with you then. Let's have a Zoom call. Sometimes I get no answer back. And others, they, they want to qualify me out. But they don't, never think about, I currently have, what is it, about a thousand people who are on my LinkedIn. So who is it I know that could be interested in what you're having, you're offering me that I'm not interested in? But if I like you, know you, trust you, it's entirely possible I'll introduce you to someone else. So I've mentioned to you, someone before, before the call, that I would introduce you to because his speciality is in, in purpose, purpose. But if I didn't like you or didn't trust you, hey, I wouldn't be on it, but that's not the point. I wouldn't offer that because he's a friend of mine. And why would I give my friend to someone I don't trust and then- or who won't listen? And I only interrupted you, that's why I apologise. Not, <laughs> not a great demonstration of listening. You do very well. You do very well, Scott. Fair dues. Thank you. And then we know each other because of a reference from Guy. Yeah. Yeah, a good friend of mine who's been separately from this, but he's been a tower of strength for me at different times in my life. So, yeah, a really good guy. Good guy, Guy. I got introduced to Guy because I work with one of his colleagues. There you go. So I, I, I never knew Guy before. I said, boom, boom, and then I'll go introduce the Guy. Met Guy, had a podcast with Guy, and he said, oh, you need to speak to you because I think you it'd be useful. And then that's how we connected. And then yeah. here, and then to say, then you're saying to me, oh, because of the discussions we've had, I think there's somebody else that you would find useful to have a chat with. And I just think that's that's it. I, I, I'm, I mean, I love doing podcasts. And they're, they're, the ones I do, they're not – they're not at the moment focused to anything particular. They're the whole ecleptical type of things that people want to talk about. But it, I also liken it to when I used to do uh, presentation skills. So don't you find it boring presentation skills? You've done it loads. I said, the content can be quite repetitive, but you can play around with that. I said, but the last part of it where people present, how awesome is that? You're listening to yes. it and you're learning. I'd say, I'm, I'm strengths and I learn as high for me. So okay, that encourages me to learn, listen because as I'm listening, I'm learning, and I love learning. So again, the intent is to listen to learn. Yeah, for me, because learning is one of my drivers. It's one of my high drivers. Learning and relator to build a one-to-one strong relationship with people rather than on mass. So yes. those two drive me. Yeah. So I think my my listening is not something I consciously do. I just think it's something that helps me achieve my motives, which is to learn and to connect. Yeah. But it's a good intention, a good motive. Yes. I think that goes back to, are you influencing somebody or are you manipulating somebody? I I think we've had this discussion before. Again, it's a skill set you can generate. And I think manipulation is about doing something for your own benefit, regardless of what happens to the other person. Whereas influencing somebody is doing something that's at minimum mutually beneficial or you believe to be beneficial. And trying to trying to influence your thoughts or behavior so that something positive happens to you as an individual. 
Yeah. So I like that. back to that hearing, listening and, and curiosity as well. Yeah. So if you were to say to people, as you say, strategic listening is one of the key skills that you referenced earlier from the book and that you offer listening to organizations and, and, and to, for people to become better at listening and the impact it has on business. What's the five tips that you would give somebody that they could start doing to improve themselves as a listener? Okay. So I, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that question. No, that's okay. Absolutely okay. The, you know, I'm just trying to think which would be my top five. So the first one would be to, starting with myself, first of all, is settle myself, quieten myself, and if metaphorically empty myself of thought such that I can give this person my full attention. And when you align that, you'll realize that actually I need to pull down my laptop and close it, turn off my mobile or put it away and put other distractions that might impact the quality of this conversation, turn them off, put them away. So you're then gonna give that person your attention. The second is to resist the um, desire that we all have, and particularly males, is to fix or to offer a solution. You might do that, but much better to listen first and but equally, don't be surprised that they go away going, thanks ever so much for listening. You were really helpful. And you're thinking, I've done nothing, apparently nothing. I've not offered any solution. So the second would be, would be no solutions. A third would be to be with them and to, this is where the empathy part of it comes in. So seek to understand what it might be like for them and ask them. So, you know, when I asked that question about uh, when was the last time you felt really heard and they explained, I said, so how did you feel? And so I start to get a more of a three-dimensional image of what life is like for them. So I'm starting to understand a bit more of their story because when I can understand them and they feel they understand, they're being understood, then they're able to uh, relax more and settle more and open up more. The fourth one would be to, when, when they go silent, I call it the rule of three or four, is wait for three or four seconds before you speak. And sometimes even longer, because if you can get an idea, if you're really connected with them as to whether they are thinking and still, you know, so they're processing. They might go away to think. And when they come back, if they notice, as you've done beautifully, I've noticed that you, your, link, your, your eyes were on mine as much as we can do over, over screens. But it felt like you weren't looking at your watch, engaged somewhere else. So you were fully paying attention. So it my flow of thinking continues because of your, your attention. So, you know, so keep that attention. And then you can also either repeat the question. So Scott, what are your, what are your plans today? Mm. And then you can go away and you can come back with your second wave of thinking or third wave of thinking, or it could be the, the simple words of, and what more? 
And it's weird, but you can ask that question three, four, five, six times, and the person speaking never shifts. They just carry on talking. It's as though their mind has said to them, and what else, or, and what more could it be? And the final one to improve the quality of your listening, it would be to see everyone as an equal. So it's an equal human being that's with us. I'm, in I'm sitting in front of someone who, whatever their position, whatever their situation, I could be in that position myself. I could have been in that position or might ever come be in that position. And be curious, so it's your, your favorite one of being curious about what that might be like and what their story is. And to be yeah, interested in that story. And I remember going to meet someone I'd never met before, not seen his picture, in a club in London. And I went to reception, I said, I've come to see his name. And they said, yep, he's in, he's in the lounge. And I said, could you do me a favor and just take me to him because I, I've no idea what he looks like. And I didn't know how busy the lounge was gonna be. And they said, sure, very happy to. So when we arrived, he knew the, the receptionist by name. And he knows all of their names because he's curious. And he knows little things about them, about their, their, their personal life. Not that he, he shouts it about, but he's able to engage with them. Do they love him? Absolutely. Does he get special treatment? Definitely. Because he was curious and he cared about them and they felt it. And he's, he's it sounds weird to say, but he's, He's ordinary, there's nothing, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not regal, he's not a multimillionaire, he's not this or that. He's a, he's a down-to-earth man, is what I'm trying to say. And yet he has the, he's curious enough to care about and care enough about these people to want to know a little bit about them. And these are people who serve him, and yet he's interested in them. And I think that's so lovely. So, yeah, that's my five. That's fine. Uh, again, there's another couple of stories I can tell. There's one reminds me, I saw what you've just said is, I, I think I saw it on LinkedIn, it said, treat the uh, janitor with the same same respect as you would treat the CEO. Yeah. I said, no, I, I don't agree with that. Somebody treat said, them better. I said, treat the CEO with the same respect you treat the janitor. Oh, even nicer. Yeah, uh, thank you. It goes that way. So I prefer that one. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, just two more that I'd like to add, if that's okay. And I've forgotten where I was going to go with one of them. Oh, yes. When I was I was in uh, Oman a few weeks ago, I spent three weeks in a hotel. Every time I walked past reception, morning, how are you this morning? How's today been? Blah, blah, blah. When I come back, morning, afternoon, how's your day? And if they want to talk to me, I'll sit and talk to them. And then as I was checking out, they said, who's going to talk to us now? Oh my goodness. Such a sad indictment of hundreds of people going past these people, just ignoring them as if they didn't exist. It doesn't take long just to say to somebody, morning, how are you doing? Even like I go walk into, if I walk into a shop and somebody says, good yeah. morning, how are you? I said, I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? This person's I having mean a it. And, and, say, and they go, you can actually see the look of shock. Nobody's asked me that question. <laughs> just be human. This is, there's another person. It's another human being. Just yes. Be curious about this person. Um, and isn't it surprising just on, on that particular one in the coffee shops that I go to, and I don't go to them the same one every day, 
when I go in there, they remember me because like you do, I talk to them and they remember, and they say, oh yes, I remember now it's this coffee and this coffee, isn't it? And you go, how do you know that? You know, they, because we, you stand out because you are different because you actually show an interest in that individual. So they connect yeah. the things about it. And the last thing I'd like to say is, is, is uh, the story of the stonemasons. No, the three stonemasons. Okay. And you go to them and say, first stonemason, what are you doing? I'm making some stones. Second stonemason, what are you doing? I'm building a, a wall. Yeah. Third stonemason, what are you doing? I'm helping create something where people can pray because they're building or, they, or whatever it was. Yeah. And then the first stonemason says, excuse me, can I change my mind? Of course you can. I'd like to say what the third stonemason says. And I think that's the twist on the story I heard. Once. That's the, I've not heard that twist. Yeah. And to say, it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. Because somebody might say something that's much more compelling or something you really connect with and just say, no, actually what they've said, how they've articulated that. That's better than how I was thinking about that in the beginning. Yeah. Nice. I love that. And I've not heard that twist. Neither did I. I think it was Steve Bouchard's from Exchange was the first. No, Brother James from Exchange was the first time I heard that. And the way he right. said it, I thought, I really like that. I yeah. really like that because it's okay to change your mind. And I think that also ripples with listening. So when someone feels heard, the ripple effect is that they go and listen to someone else. So it's almost like they change their mind about listening when they understand about listening and feel heard themselves and know what it's like. Yeah. I think if we can uh, create an environment because we're all experiential, aren't we? We learn through experiences. So if we can have an experience say, do you know what? That felt really good. And it, and it feels good to be good to people. Yeah. So can I make somebody else feel that way? I'm going to try that. See what happens. It happened uh, again in a coffee shop. I was sitting there and there was a lady behind me who was a uh, coffin, older lady coffin. And then a young girl came in, and I say young because she was probably early, very early 20s. And she, as she was leaving, she noticed the woman was coughing. And she looked at her and she said, excuse me, she said, are you all right? Because she was coughing. And she said, oh, yes, I am, dear. Thank you so much. And she said, oh, it's okay. Thank you. And they went. Now, both of them had a really warm experience. One was being appreciated and one was being noticed. But I also noticed, as did my partner, and we felt good about it. And anyone else in the coffee shop who would have heard about it would have felt good about it. And then when that old lady went off, she would have been thinking, how lovely that the youngsters are not all this way. And she would then tell her friends, and that might influence them thinking about youngsters in a different way, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. It's contagious. It, it, the it's probably not a good word to use at the moment is the contagion. <laughs> <laughs> Emotions are contagious. And there's a book, isn't it? How, how full is your bucket? And it says, okay. if, if you're good to somebody, you're yeah. filling their bucket up and filling yours. Yeah. And there's these interactions, it might just be opening the door to somebody smiling. These, these hundreds and hundreds of interactions we have every day with people. Correct. And if you're negative to somebody, you reduce your bucket and you also reduce theirs. So it's, it's, Sad. It's psychologically damaging to be nasty to people for yourself as well as to the other person. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's more damaging to be for yourself than it is for the other people. Yeah. So how full is your bucket? Is, uh, Dave Wrath or Roth from Gallup wrote the book. Okay. 
And it's just a really simple, it talks about the interactions people have. And if we can just create an environment where people just say, you know, I'm going to be not, I'm going to open the door to somebody. I'm going to smile when I walk past somebody. And I would do that. It just elevates the whole emotions around there. And they say people start caring in these little ways, these yeah. little micro caring, and then that yeah. can elevate itself all the way through. So I just a challenge. I've got a challenge for people who are listening if they want, because I love challenges. We've talked about some of my, some of yeah. my micro challenges I do when I'm in training. And I call it the language detective. I've tweaked it a little bit. Okay. So as you go about your day to day, which is a phrase I took from Fee Hills when she does hers, because it's one of the best terminologies to start this. But as you're going about your day to day, what I'd like you to do in the conversations is try to identify at least one motive or one emotion from the people you're listening to. Nice. And the only way to do that is really listen to the words being used. Look at the body language and see, can you? And again, so that's a curious because I care. But it's a challenge and you can turn how many times yeah. you do it and you can turn it into a game. But if you did that in your teams and say, how many times can we do it and who wins? Nice. Turning, listening to a competition that happens in your organization every day. So that's my little challenge to people who are listening. I love micro, I love micro challenges that go into the workplace. Yeah, that's lovely. And I think it's a beautiful way of getting people to listen and have a bit of fun with it. In, in, and it's light as well. But when you start to notice what's going on for other people, it makes a huge difference to both you and to them. Absolutely. Because people matter and listening matters. Well, so again, I could go, we could go on for hours. So I know <laughs> we're going to wind it up. It's just one question. Um, okay. And I did. And I, I had one opinion and I think I've changed it. And I might change it again because this is as a coach, is it more important to be a good listener or more important to be a good questioner? Gosh. I would say it would be listening first and then questions. I would but, then, but even then, as I'm saying it now, I'm, I'm wondering about it as well, because if I ask the great question, no, I know I'm still with listen first, because that would help you formulate the good questions. I think they have both have huge power in a good way. Oh, well, I, really love, I love questions. I, 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 I air towards more. Ask the great, ask the great question. And then you'll get the information off, but you have to listen. I don't, they're not either or. I do think they're very clear, yeah. but that's, I love questions like that to ask people because what that does is a book called the little book of thunks. <laughs> um, okay. About asking questions to people that there is no right or wrong. Yep. And then you goes back to what you're doing, put them in a circle and say, what do you think? And then you can ask questions. Yeah. What it does is it encourages people to share their thoughts, but also their justifications and, yeah. And he's, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's called The Little Bit of Thunks. And it's about bringing uh, it to schools and how we can bring it into schools. And if you would do that with kids, you're asking kids to explore why they think what they think. Okay for people to have a different opinion. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about, it's about looking at why. Yeah. Okay to change your mind. And explore. And if we, if we had kids in, coming out of education into the workplace with those types of skills, then what you're talking about it, listening and being inquisitive. And I'm talking about, which is yeah. about purpose led and being innovative so much easier. Yeah. And also there's a lot of truth that says that 
when children are five-year-olds, they've got, let's say, 70 ideas. When they're 10, it's down to about 50. By the time they leave school, it's probably about 20. And by the time they're in the workplace, it's even less. Wouldn't you think, well, it ought to be the other way around, but it's not. And so we're conditioned out of bigger thinking and innovative thinking into it can't be done, it's got to be done this way, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a small number. Oh, again, that's another subject I love. <laughs> but again, a question we could ask kids, what is five plus five? They go equals 10. What happens is said question mark plus question mark equals 10. Yeah. And then you're telling kids it's about understanding where we're going, but there's so many different ways of getting there and they're all okay. Yeah. And then you could have them sitting there going, well, it could be minus 20 plus 30 and they can start playing around with fractions and they can start playing around with all sorts of things and playing around with those types of mathematical equations as they get more creative. Yeah. So in a couple of asking that question to a, a group of kids and giving them three or four minutes, You'd be amazed at sort of how fun maths becomes. Yeah. Because the easy answer would be, well, it's two question marks, therefore it's five and five. That's it. I mean, I don't know what the problem is. Why, why is it anything? Why could it be anything else? And you say, well, we put two question marks there because they could be anything. I didn't say they had to be the same. But that's not the way it works. Well, you ask five-year-olds in, that's the way it works. They'll say, yeah, that's the way it works. It's not. And then I, yeah. let, let, me, let me have fun with this. Let me play with this. But it, and I yeah. think we are conditioned to look for that one answer, the silver bullet. Yeah. Uh, what's the one thing I can do to make a difference? And you see, and uh, it's usually much more complicated than that. Yeah. And I think that one of the questions we started at the beginning, what needs to be true for? What a great question that is. Yeah. It needs to be true for dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And hopefully the title of the, the uh, podcast, well, how might we dot, dot, dot which again is about exploratory. And, and again, that's a very specific question because how means there's a solution. Might means there's probably more than one and we as we can work together. I love that. Yeah, nicely put together. Nicely put together. Uh, and that comes from design thinking. So even okay. when you get people doing questions like that, say the power of structuring the question provides an openness to think. That's, why I, that's where we slightly about listening and, and questions. I'm, I'm erring on the side of the question might be more important, but it is, it is probably a wafer thin between the two. Yeah. And also it, my favorite phrase is it depends. Context. Dependent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I was thinking what I, I first went for listening and then I thought, Oh yeah, because then I went to questions because questions evoke what needs to be said so that you can listen. And then I thought, oh, no, let me go back to listening because if I listen first, then I can build my questions. On the other hand, there may be places I go to where actually by asking the question straight on up front gives me what I want. So, yeah. Context specific. I'll go with that. It depends. It's the answer to most questions I ever get asked. I love it. Yeah. It depends. And then, yeah. I, then I go, ah. And I said, so what do you think it might depend upon? And then that's how I ask the question back. Yeah. So they might stay... What's the, what's the best practice of I don't recruit somebody? I said it depends. But what do you yeah. think? What do you think are the questions or the dependencies upon deciding the appropriate, the best solution for you guys? And then yeah. you're opening them up to. There's not an answer. Yep. Let's look at the context and things we would consider. So it's about 
let's think about why we think that way and what, what creates the solution rather than just the solution itself. Yeah. So, there we go. There's a whole new set of questions that could come uh, up. We've been that last time. We had, had a chat that lasted two hours, and this one yeah. is probably way over. So hopefully <laughs> it'll be interesting enough for people to stay. And if you are still here and you are still listening to us, congratulations for having the patience to do so. Thank you. No, Colin, it was great talking to you, as always. Insightful, unstructured, and very informative for me. So, again, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Scott, and for your for your attentiveness, your listening, and for some great questions. I appreciate it. Thanks.